Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, you're just a delight, aren't you? I am gagged, cuffed, and living for that. Now that is very juicy. Welcome to Geordie's Juice. Gentlemen and non binary icons, and welcome to our podcast, Geordie's Juice. My name is Geordie Delight. I am the real housewife of Leaf, Drag's answer to Angel Delight, and on Aldi budget and full time spinster. As well as all of this, I am an Edinburgh based drag queen, DJ, actor, singer, activist, and your host for today's episode. In this series of Geordie's Juice, I speak with legends of the UK's drag scene where we discuss highlights of their careers, where they plan on sashaying to next, and we also be dragging out all things RuPaul's Drag Race UK Season 3. We will review each episode and get juicy on what's been going down. The challenges, the villain edits, the tears, and who our money is on to win. Plus, all the most sickening looks on the runway. So boil the kettle and get the tea brewing because it's time to spill the goss and drag your thoughts away from your troubles. In this first episode of Jory's Juice, I caught up with Scotland's very own Iron Brew legend, West End performer and radio DJ, Mary Mack. I first met Mary Mack in 2019 whilst hosting Pride. And I can assure you, there are not many queens who can do an eight-minute mega mix of tracks while singing, dancing, all in a pair of heels. I got dizzy just saying that sentence, let alone watching it happen live. Mary Mack is one of the most successful and most loved drag cabaret acts on our scene in the UK. Pursuing a career in London and then appearing in the incredible show Everybody's Talking About Jamie, it's safe to say after this episode, Everybody's Talking About Mary. So it wouldn't be right without introducing this incredible artist to episode one of Jory's Just Without Saying. It is, of course, Mary Mack. Mary Mack, the Scottish drag queen that is Mary Mack. How are you doing? I'm really good, darling. How are you? 
I'm all right. It is, I was just literally saying to you, wasn't I, that it's been, I think, two and a half years since Pride 2019 where I got to see you grace the stage with a, like, was it eight, ten-minute mega mix you did? I mean, technically, it's 14 minutes and 19 seconds, but we won't split hairs. <laughs> Talk me through that. Like, what were the songs again? Obviously, Maniac from Flashdance was the, the iconic Maniac parody you did, which I loved, but what were the songs again? Oh, I mean, I think there's about 17 different like party hits from the Macarena to the Cheeky Girls to the Cha Cha Slide. Uh, there's everything in it. And I mean, I need to update it. People keep telling me that I need to update it with some TikTok things, but I don't do TikTok. She's old now. She's got very old in the pandemic and I don't TikTok. I think I should. Mary, I don't know if you feel this, but I in the drag community feel that now that I'm in my late 20s, I'm officially old and gay years. Like, I think that's it. I'm past my prime now. Well, I hate you for being in your late 20s. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to kill me after this podcast. You're going to cancel <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> yes. Amazing. So I would love for you to introduce yourselves to our listeners um, and sort of just give us a sort of um, a little bit of an update on who you are, what you do and um, where you're from. Sure. So I'm Mary Mack. I'm originally from the south side of Glasgow. I've just um, learned to talk properly now. And um, <laughs> but I love my Scottish roots. I'm all about Scotland. Whenever I'm doing my shows, which I'm lucky enough to do all over the country and internationally in Spain. And I've been to America with it and I'm on cruise ships as well. But I'm everything Scottish. And, you know, um, I do Tartan, I do Michelle McManus, I do uh, The Proclaimers, I do everything Scottish. I'm super, super proud of being um, from Scotland. But I've been around the, the, the block a few times and I share that in my show and in my stories. I sing live. My, my, that's my love. That's what brings me joy is to sing. But I'll literally sing anything you want unless it's from... 2014 and onwards because I just don't know any of those songs <laughs> I'm the exact same as you I'm a drag singer primarily now as well and I get what you mean that I'm a big fan of 80s and 90s and early 2000s and I, I mean as a DJ as well I would probably never play anything bar like past 2010 really <laughs> so I totally get what you mean if you were to sort of like pick one or two songs that are your favourite to sing at a cabaret or live show what would they be? Anything by Shirley Bassey, I adore. She's got the best songs in the world. They are dramatic, they are camp, they are crowd pleasers, even if they're ones that they, they don't necessarily know. Um, there's just something about a Shirley Bassey song. She chooses the best songs, even on her, her newer albums. She picks songs that are just so fabulous. I love doing that. And then I love... I love crowd pleasers. I love your steps and, you know, like you say, 80s stuff. Anything that gets like a Friday, Saturday night crowd really going and singing along. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, Steps new song, like from their album, Heartbreak in the City with Michelle Visage was an absolute like pop anthem. I'm obsessed. It's an incredible song. I've, I've recently put it into my set. I mean, I sing it in a slightly different key. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Michelle would approve. <laughs> In a picture that actually amazing so we're going to touch later on drag race season three and i'll be sort of talking through some of the highlights of last night's episode but for now i would love to kind of get to know a bit more about you and your amazing portfolio of work and one of the questions i've been given actually that i think is a great opener is from our producer jim who wants to know you know where does the name mary mac come from 
It is my mum's name. And I'm so lucky to have a, a mum who is, I always, I always describe her as the strongest and, and funniest woman that I know. She, I'm one of five kids and she raised us on her own pretty much. And uh, when we were all growing up in the south side of Glasgow, we kind of hung around a lot at the weekends and when we went in school and stuff in the parks and whatever. Um, <laughs> that sounds so dodgy. But we would we'd go to the parks and um, and people would see us, the five of us, and always say, oh, that's Mary Mac's kids or whatever, you know. So it's kind of stuck with me. And when I was creating and coming up with the idea of being a drag queen, I thought, yeah, Mary Mac has got to be it. It's Scottish enough without being a parody of being a Scottish person. And of course, um, Mary is, you know, the old camp term of of being homosexual. And so, yeah, I think it works. And it's a real uh, tribute to my mum, you know, and she she thinks, well, she is. <laughs> She's more famous than I am. She gets more free drinks in bars than I do as well. <laughs> Beautiful. I've got quite a close relationship with my mum through drag as well because my mum absolutely adores drag. So it's lovely yes. to hear um, your experience of that too. And I find it really funny that you mention homosexuals because I've never met a homosexual yet, but you know, I'm hoping to very soon. Um, so yeah, in terms of, you know, Mary Mack, the drag queen, you know, what was life like before you started doing drag? You know, you mentioned growing up there. What was that like? Um, I went to stage school at a very early age. I was about seven, just about eight when I went to stage school. Um, the janitor at my primary school saw an addition or, or, or a call out for boys to be in Oliver. They were doing a production of Oliver at the Mitchell Theatre in Glasgow and uh, they needed more boys to be in the show. So he said, why don't you go along and audition to be one of the boys? And I went along, Partick Borough Halls, one very cold Saturday morning with my mum and um, I auditioned and ended up playing Oliver Clang on the lead role um, and but then I, I stuck at it and I went to stage school alongside academic school for 10 years from yeah when I was seven till I was 17 and I was really lucky in terms of I think people uh, like my teachers and my my mum and my my gran and everything, no one ever said to me, oh, you know, you've got to have something behind you, get a real job, you know, this this might not happen. They were so encouraging and um, I, I know that's not the, the story for so many people, but I'm, I'm lucky in terms of no one ever told me that I couldn't perform for a living, I couldn't do this as my dream. And I stuck at it. I worked hard, I trained, you know, a lot and... Was, was fortunate to work a lot as a kid as well on BBC Scotland and stuff. Um, so growing up actually wasn't terrible for me and I wasn't particularly bullied at school. I had two older brothers who were quite big. Um, so I think they protected me at school a lot. But I didn't. I, I, I know I'm lucky in the sense that I've got friends who had a terrible time at school because they wanted to perform or they were a bit different from, from the rest of the kids. But I think I was just so... I was so out there from a young age and confident and probably a show off and, and people people enjoyed that and, and I didn't really have any, of course there were, there were some people who tried to stop me in my tracks but I didn't let them get, get to me, I just kind of ploughed through and, and did what I wanted to do. 
that's really inspiring and it's it's gratitude isn't it because i understand where you're coming from that i've had friends from the queer community who you know their parents made them leave for being gay let alone doing drag so i totally understand what you mean about having a family that are supportive and um, it's really helpful and it's it's good to hear that i'm glad you've had that and and now we've got the incredible mary mac from it which is absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. so in terms of sort of drag what inspired drag then obviously fear or kid like me which i think is brilliant but what kind of made you go into the drag career then um, a casting director, when I was about 19, to- told me that I was um, great and very talented, but just not right at that moment in time. When I was 19, I looked about 14 and sounded 36. Um, so it's not, it's not a massive casting bracket when, you're, when you've got that going for you. So he said to me, um, you know, JP, you're super talented, but you're just not fitting into a lot of stuff. And I was, you know, I was down auditioning for lots of things in London and, you know, really lucky. And it was good advice. He said to me, you know, you're great. You're just not going to be, he said, in your thirties in theatre, you will work. Mm. Go and find something to do. And at that point I was like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. What am I meant to do with my life? Um, But I went, I came back to Scotland and sat down and thought, and thought there's something in drag, I think, because I'd done pantomime in Glasgow a couple of times um, as Dame, so I knew I could rock a frock and wear the heels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, yeah, maybe there's something in this. So I created this character, Mary Mac, took her to London, did a show at Above the Stag, which was above a pub in Victoria with about 30 seats. It was a tiny little theatre, but I sold it out to my friends and it kind of spiralled from there, I think, that I thought, yeah, there's there's something there's something in this. Wow, that's amazing. And I'd listened to your um, interview with Fiercely Talk with the icon that is Divina De Campo. And um, I know that you, did you work with BBC at one point as well? I worked with, um, no, it was Sky One who right. were filming um, the sequel to Pineapple Dance Studios, uh, Louis Spence's show business, which he <laughs> couldn't say. Um, but they were filming that. I auditioned for uh, an adult panto. They were looking for a Snow White. And I, I didn't get the job and I didn't get the part. And the producers of the TV show were really shocked. They were like, honestly, we thought you were, you were going to get it. You were so good in the audition. And they said, they dropped their original storyline. They were going to follow whoever got the part of Snow White and through rehearsals and into the production. And they were like, we, we don't like who they cast Snow White. So we want to follow you instead. And they, they brought me in and they, to do a few episodes on the, on the show. And that really, obviously, any TV work massively catapults anyone. And that, that really kind of, especially in London, gave yeah. me a massive platform to work from. Yeah, God, I just remember Pineapple Dance Studios. That is such a throwback. Like, oh my God, I love that. Like, it was huge. It was huge. It was. I just remember him being so animated on stage and almost like a cat, the way he could move so like freely. It was so cool, amazing. So, in terms of your aesthetic, then you know what sort of stuff inspired you with your design of your look because what I find beautiful is you're you've got quite a lovely glamorous look about you. I've seen you with a lot of ginger wigs. You know, I'm curious as to what helped you come up with your aesthetic for Mary. It took a lot of time for me. I'm, I'm not a designer. I'm not a fashion queen. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a lot of time for me to figure out 
how I wanted to look and what I wanted to do. So I went through blondes and brunettes and reds and and then I got ginger and I thought, this is it. The minute I put the ginger wig on, I was like, that is me. I never, so all I have in my house is about 45 different wigs all in ginger. There's cases of them, there's bags of them everywhere. I just keep getting them recycled and I love it. And it's, um, obviously it's it's a, you know, a nod to Scotland and, and, and my roots. And then I try and have tartan on me when I can. I love tartan. I love um, all the different, you know, different types of tartan you can have. But I try and be, yeah, I guess I'm I'm, I'm a glamour queen. Mm-hmm. I don't turn your kind of catwalk fashion looks, although I'd love to. So if anyone's listening and wants to create me something that's very fashion forward, hit me up on the DMs. Um, I'm trying now with, you know, with RuPaul and, and the way the world's going, I'm trying to lean into it a little bit, but not forget that I do glam and that's, I, I love my look, you know, I, I don't pretend to be anything that I'm not. Yeah, I think that's the moment I came into my drag and got fully comfortable was when just enjoying what I was doing and putting the effort into it with design ideas. And what you're saying about the wig, you know, I, I wear a lot of sort of loud different colour wigs, but my favourite is to wear a pink wig because I like this idea that I'm a bit like Angel Delight, a bit fluffy and a bit cartoonesque. So I totally understand what you mean about when you find that thing that works and then it just really transforms everything. Um, I think that's so important. And in terms of the sort of RuPaul situation you mentioned, I take it, you know, are you learning to sew? Because I'm learning to sew as well. No. Oh. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that's because, I'm, because I'm so bad at it. There's, there's no, I've tried. I've tried my hardest and I'm just terrible at it. If I'm ever on that show or if I'm ever asked to make it, it's glue guns all the way for me because I just can't do it. Yeah, no, I mean, I've only had two lessons so far and I haven't used my machine yet, so uh, wishful thinking for now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I used to struggle to sew elastics onto my ballet shoes when I was a kid, so, you know, there's there's no hope of me making a gown. Oh, my God, I love it. I feel that with a glue gun as well, going to art school, I was like, do you know what, like, I could just make, like, something with paper and make, like, a huge tent or something. Um, so I totally know what you mean. So... You know, you've had such an incredible career in my eyes. I've been such a big fan following what you've been doing. Um, and one of the things I think is absolutely brilliant that I loved, um, and I was thinking about you two weeks ago, actually, when I was doing a brunch with Rue Jazzle and CG Banks, was you done the I Am Brew advert for Crimble Juice. I would love for you to talk a bit about that. I did. And, and funnily enough, we were talking about it the other day, one of the cast that I'm working with at the moment. I mean, I, I drink I Am Brew ridiculously uh, too much, to be honest. It's the reason why... 70% of my teeth aren't mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, when, when Iron Brew got in touch to say we're filming this uh, Christmas campaign and we want three Scottish queens to do it, will you come in and an audition? I was like, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> um, and it was really fun. And, and CJ and Rue Jazzle are brilliant. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm so sad that I'm not in Scotland a lot and I don't get to go out. I've seen some of, of the scene uh, in Glasgow and Edinburgh, but I don't I don't know enough about it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be more involved if I can at some point. Um, but but I knew them obviously from Instagram and Twitter and whatever. So I was super excited uh, when I found out they were doing it. And the filming day was, you know, ridiculous in camp and they looked after us massively. And it's a real... You know, it's it's my Christmas card for life now. That picture of me holding a turkey with fishnets and heels on, um, it'll be used every year. And it was just kind of, you know, a, a proper 
all round full circle moment for Mary Mac, who there's bars in London now, like the Vauxhall Tavern and the Tubers, who stock Iron Brew behind the bar now because I drink it and people drink it during my show because they're like, oh, I've never had an Iron Brew before. And they put a vodka in it, you'll enjoy it. Um, but, the, you know, it's, it's it makes me feel really happy to be that kind of... Um, I guess I don't think I'm brew would say I'm an ambassador, but I'm going to say I'm an ambassador for the drink because technically it's not meant to be used as a mixer, but it's better as a mixer. You kill the hangover at the same time as getting drunk. Oh my God, that is such a vibe. Like I have always got iron brew in my fridge for the hangovers at the weekend. I totally understand. <laughs> and I just remember watching the advert when Rujazzle done it and that sort of, mmm, yummy. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing at how serious she was doing it. Um, and we I- laughed a lot that day. It was brilliant. I can imagine, but I have got one question that I need to ask, right? And please just be honest, right? What was it like drinking it? Did it taste good? Um, I can't really remember what the Christmas one tasted like. That was the only time I tasted it was on that day. Yeah. Um, I don't think I actually, because it wasn't, because obviously I was in, in and out of London and stuff. So I don't actually think I ever bought a bottle of the, whatever the crimble juice thing was. It was fine. I mean, I had to down the champagne glass on every take. So I drank a lot of it. Um, but yeah, it was it was fine. I mean, I prefer the original. I prefer the, well, actually I prefer the, oh, I'm going to forget, the 1914, is that what it is? The original, original recipe. Yeah. Um, where there's like tons of sugar in it. That's the one I like out of a glass bottle. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm drinking Iron Brew now while I'm talking to you. That, I mean, that—that that is literally how ridiculous it is. I love it. I was—I was, I was going to debate actually doing that, but I had a cup of tea instead. But maybe I should get a can out now. It was—it um, was interesting because when I did a thing with Rujazzle a while back, we were talking about how Crimble Juice—you know—we thought it was maybe discontinued, and then the day after, I weirdly enough went to Pound Stretcher um, and went inside and seen that there was all this Crimble Juice there, and I thought, I wonder if that's in date. <laughs> I mean, if it's in Pound Stretcher, it's pretty much the same as being discontinued, isn't it? <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, the Iron Brew advert was incredible. I got to see you do Pride as well, which was absolutely amazing. I was in awe actually that day just because I wasn't very well that day. So seeing you and all these other drag artists on stage performing was amazing. And then you were in Everybody's Talking About Jamie, which is probably, if not my favourite musical, my second favourite musical ever. I would love for you to kind of tell me how that happened and what that was like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably one of my favourite musicals as well. I saw it in the West End a, a long time ago. And bizarrely, I saw it um, in between two gigs in London. I was doing an afternoon thing and then I had a nighttime gig and I didn't want to take my face off because it looked particularly nice that day. Um, so I thought, what show can I go and see in the West End where no one will bat an eyelid that I'm in a full face of drag. And I thought, perfect. Everybody's talking about Jamie. And I went on my own and watched the show. My friend James Gillen uh, plays the part that I play on tour in the West End. So I went to see him. And the show is just, I mean, I remember watching the the BBC documentary about Jamie years ago now. and and so I, I knew what the show would kind of be about, but I didn't I didn't know any of the music or, or anything like that. And it is, I mean, still I'm in it now, and I'm still a fan. Like I love the show. I you know I still cry. I mean, everyone I think everyone in rehearsals when I was rehearsing it thought I'd won a competition or something because I was crying all the time. I was just like they were like, oh my god, here's this queen in the corner. But it's an amazing story, and of course, 
for so many people in the queer community, I think a lot of people have a, have a connection with their mum. And, you know, the show's about, obviously, Jamie wanting to go to school prom and address, but, but actually it's about his connection with his mother and his relationship and the fact that she is so, you know, at points probably overly so, committed to allowing him to be everything that he wants to be Mm -hmm. Um, and the trials and tribulations that that brings for her as a parent and also for Jamie as a kid growing up and I mean I never in my wildest dreams like I said I did theatre a long time ago and then I and then I created Mary Mac I didn't have other than Panto which I do every year and that's kind of my little theatre escape for six weeks where I get to work and be part of a cast and everything like that I didn't have any aspirations to get back into theatre and then bizarrely the email came through I was in a car wash in Lanzarote and um, <laughs> as you do and this email came through to say um, we're taking everybody talking about Jamie out on tour and we'd love for you uh, to come in and, and meet the team and, and if you want to be part of it and yeah I mean I jumped to the chance obviously and, and we started it pre-pandemic and got about six weeks into it we did Edinburgh um, Northampton, Sheffield, where the show's set, and then we are about to open in, in Birmingham, and then it, it shut. So it was really, it, it was so upsetting because it was kind of, I was living my dream of, you I'd done great stuff when I was younger, but I'd never done a fully-fledged musical, and especially one that meant so much to me, and then that got ripped away. So the fact that I'm back at it now, I'm sitting in a lovely flat in Leicester where we're doing the show at the Curve, and it's just, if people who are listening haven't seen it, get your tickets. And that sounds like a plug, but I'm telling you because it's especially for anyone in the in the queer community, the story is beautiful. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I remember seeing years ago the John McRae production where he played Jamie in the cinema and it was screened from London. And yes. then I'm pretty sure you would have been in the tour. I saw the Leighton Williams tour that you were in at the Festival Theatre, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah for the pandemic and I had went with my mum that time the first time I went with a friend at the cinema but my mum and I and my friend and my mum's friend went and it was the song where she sang to my boy that I was just <laughs> like holding my mum's hand in floods of tears <laughs> it was it was beautiful and um, so yeah my mum hasn't seen it yet <laughs> and she will be I'm like when my mum comes obviously she's got about £600 worth of tickets for Glasgow where we finish the tour next May which is crazy to think that far ahead in time um, but I think I'm going to try we've got a week off next week and then we, we start again uh, I'm going to try and bring her down somewhere to see it because I think I think maybe she has to come with just my sister and deal with all the emotions first before she's sitting amongst everyone at the theatre while in Glasgow bawling her eyes out because it is I mean that song He's My Boy is just I still cry. It's a beautifully written song, and and Amy Ellen Richardson, who plays Margaret in the tour, is a sensation. And you know, normally I'm only listening to it on the tannoy in the dressing room, but even still, it's amazing. And obviously, it's a film now as well, which I haven't watched yet because I'm a bit like oh. I'm in it. I don't know whether to watch it or not. I will watch it at some point, probably on the week off next week. I'll watch it. I'll sit down and watch it. Um, but it's Sarah Lancashire who plays the mum, and she's just one of my favourite actresses of all time. So I'm super excited to see it. I won't spoil it for you, because I did watch it actually this week on Tuesday. Um, And the only thing that I found a bit difficult is one of my favourite songs is If I Met Myself Again. 
Um, mm. And I really felt that actually thinking about when I was 19 and I was going out with this guy and stuff, uh, when I watched the show and um, they cut that from the movie. So I was a bit like, oh no, but it makes it makes sense when you are taking something from a stage show and doing a movie version when you've had to cut stuff. Um, but Sarah Lancashire was amazing, was amazing. And um, it's great. And Max Harwood really impressed actually. It was, um, it was lovely to see it actually. And I remember finding out they were doing a movie and being so excited by it. So finally, now that it's happened, um, I was going to ask your thoughts and feelings on it, but um, I'll look forward to seeing your tweets about it when you've watched it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll, wa- I'll watch it this week, I'm sure. I've seen little clips and things and, and everything that Max has been out. I think he's a star. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, amazing. And I also re- I realized from listening to an interview you did with Fiercely Talk, so you're a DJ now as well, aren't you? Um, I had, uh, during the pandemic, yeah, I had a radio show in Lanzarote on Monster Radio. Um, again, it kind of came out of the blue and it was something I didn't think I would be any good at. But I guess the, the pandemic and doing Facebook Lives and Instagram Lives and things like that has kind of, has has enabled me to just talk into the void because there's no one else there to talk to. And that's basically what you're doing on the radio. I was in the studio on my own. But they were lovely at the station. Um, the they offered me a weekly slot and said, basically, play what you want, which was lovely. So I played the campus songs in the world. And I have great friends uh, still in Lanzarote. And there's actually a lovely um, gay community in Lanzarote that I found lots of friends during the pandemic. And they loved it because I was playing songs that they would never hear on the radio, you know, really camp anthems and things like that. And it's something I'd, I'd, I'd like to develop in the future maybe you'll maybe you'll hear me on radio clyde at some point who knows i was about to say i feel like we need to get you on radio clyde doing a spot i would absolutely <laughs> listen to um amazing and is that where you're based then are you normally based in lanzarote with your partner um yes obviously it's different at the moment because because i'm out on tour with the show so i'm i'm, I'm here for a long time now I'll be here pretty much solidly until next May because I'm doing panto over Christmas as well so mm-hmm. and obviously with travel restrictions still in place and and the show at the moment they're trying to keep us all bubbled and as COVID safe as possible so sadly I, w- I won't get back to Lanzarote for a while now um, but yeah that's kind of that's where my base is but I'm desperate to get back to Glasgow. I'm ho- I'm trying my best to save up during this tour. I want to buy a place in Glasgow and, and have a home there as well. Wow. Oh, amazing. I'll look forward to catching up with you in person one day then. And yes. honestly, when it comes to the drag community, my last question I've actually got for my own um, for my own peace of mind is just what has it been like sort of working in London for the drag community in the past? Because obviously I'm only familiar with the Scottish drag scene. So I'd love to hear what it's been like working as a drag queen in England. I mean, that's where I started. So I was lucky when I was, when I started a long time ago now, about 11, 12 years ago, I was probably. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The only Scottish queen, regular Scottish queen that was there all the time. So I was kind of a little unique thing. There's obviously more of them now, which is great, of course. And of course, the Scottish drag community is huge and fabulous. But working in England and in London, um, there's a lot of drag queens, so you, you have to work hard and there's more and more every week, to be honest. I mean, I'm lucky now to kind of have established myself on the scene that that the gigs are there for me, but it's it's a hard game. And I remember when I when I started, you've got to take the gigs, you know, the £20 gigs, the £30 gigs, the free drink gigs, and and, and just keep at it and work, 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 work. And then eventually, one day, one day it kind of just all fell into place and you start getting your residencies and a lot, especially in London, I think you kind of have to have one venue that's kind of your, you know, your home, which for me is the is the two brewers. Or and I worked there every Sunday for a long time, and still go back there as much as I can. And then you develop and you move through in the Vauxhall Tavern, which is iconic because of mm-hmm. Lily Savage and the Dame Edna experience. And you know, standing on that stage is is incredible. But it's still, I, I still get nervous. I still panic about what I'm doing because. I'm sure every crowd is unforgiving, but my goodness, a London crowd is certainly, you know, they're there. And if you're not good, they'll very quickly tell you. Wow, really? Okay, okay. (laughs) And then in the best possible way, because they want you, even now, they they want you to be your best. And and that's good because it makes you do it. It makes you perform. It makes you step up every time. And I think that is a Scottish mentality. I think, you know, work hard, I think is a big Scottish thing, especially if you're working class. So um, I can see that. Oh, amazing. So uh, have you obviously managed to catch up with Drag Race season three yet? I have. I've watched it. I've watched the first episode. Um, it's obviously I saw it all coming and the rumours and the rumours and the rumours. And I love it. I love that every time there's a new season of Drag Race, my name gets thrown around and I'm like, it's not me. I'm not there. I, no addition tape happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's brilliant. And, you know, obviously it's it's going to be a very different season because they filmed it in the pandemic. And, um, you know, so it'll be kind of, I guess, similar to the end of season two in a, in a way. Um, but they, they only had a very small time to do it and I, I guess a small-ish 
casting pool to grab the queens from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a spoiler effect for those listening, obviously, we're going to sort of talk about Drag Race now, but I know what you mean, obviously, about the sort of, um, there was no Scottish queens, obviously, this year, whereas there was two for season two. And I know that the sort of Scottish drags were a bit like, oh, where's the Scottish queens? And and I was just like, you know, we had two incredible Scottish drag queens on last season. Although, funny you say that, Mary, I was kind of, I was anticipating, I was like, when is Mary going to be on the show? When is this happening? Um, but the, <laughs> season five. Season five. Yeah, well, if it's season five for you, it'll be season six and nine for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's that thing, I think, with Drag Race. I watched it last night, obviously, and I thought it was quite... I just thought anyone that can get season two and season three done during a pandemic right now when, you know, anxiety is, is quite prominent from the pandemic, I think, deserves an absolute applause. And I think... Absolutely. They're killing it and turning it out brilliantly. I think for me, you know, the fact that I have said to you earlier, I'm trying to learn how to sew because, you know, there's that drag race format of drag that obviously I think all things can be drag in the drag community, but drag race has its sort of particular thing and they're looking for. Um, and I felt that one of the big things I think I'd love to mention to you that I think is really important actually is the fact that Victoria Stone has got on as the sort of first that signed female at birth drag queen. I think that's history right there been made. For sure. I met Victoria in Cardiff uh, a couple of years ago when I was working there and they were just starting to do cabaret and to do drag. And I remember chatting uh, to them outside. And even then I was like, yeah, there's something here. There's something really exciting here. And then when I found out they were doing drag race, I thought, wow. And I love, I love, I love, I love that it's the UK that's doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and and showcasing uh, her amazing talent. And I mean, in episode one, I thought, you know, I was gagged, as the queens will say, because the looks were phenomenal, funny. Um, and, you know, sometimes, and drag race can be guilty of this and, and other gigs can be guilty of this, of placing it there because they have to or they feel, uh, you know, just just for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. But actually, Victoria's gone is super talented and, and should be there in the competition anyway, regardless of, of you know, gender or anything. And that's what I hope Drag Race will continue to do forevermore in every, you know, the, the 117 countries that they're now making the competition in. Um, I hope it continues. So do I. And I feel that there's a bit, there is drag politics, unfortunately, in the drag community, as we know, but I felt that, when Gottmik was announced for the US Drag Race, I thought, right, a trans man, incredible. And obviously there's been trans women um, in the last God knows how long doing Drag Race. Um, so obviously mm-hmm. it's important. I felt that just the fact that the UK had an AFAB queen come on, I just thought was amazing. And I just thought it was brilliant. And, you know, there's drag queens like Holstar, who's also an AFAB drag queen, who I think is incredible and i was just so pleased when they announced it and she is going to give them a run for their money i thought it was funny when one of the queens just said you know how do you feel being in a room full of you know men and she kind of just said well i'm a professional i've done the west end you know i'm around all kinds of people and i was like oh yes queen get them <laughs> yeah i mean no um so confident but in the best possible way and i guess i mean I, i'm not speaking for her so i don't know but probably has come up against lots of that, you know, throughout their career of just being a woman in in these rooms and in these situations. So absolutely right to be standing forward. And and like I said before, has the talent to back it up. I saw her at Heaven 
uh, recently when they were kind of launching all the queens from season three mm-hmm. and absolutely knocked it out of the park at heaven. Yeah, no, totally. And th- when you talk about these runway looks, obviously the challenge is being sort of queen of your hometown and then something that you like. I just thought her, was it a daisy that she came on as? What was She it? was a, a daffodil, a daffodil, and it was stunning. I mean, both the looks the, and then the afternoon tea look were just because they were costume, you know, they looked, they were huge. I don't know how you bring that in an Ikea bag, um, <laughs> but, but they were, they were looks. She, she was incredible in the runway. And I just felt she paid homage to Lee Bowery, another underground incredible artist from the sort of club kid era, which I just thought was so important that she did that. Because um, obviously we've seen people like Peppermint um, on the States show had done sort of a Lee Bowery inspired look and stuff. So I just thought, it was incredible. I was I was captivated actually. Um, yeah. And I, in a way, I kind of so see when they've done the lip sync her and Crystal Versace. Yes. Maybe it's just me being a bit controversial here, but I actually thought that it should have been Victoria to win the lip sync. I'm completely with you. I was I was convinced that it was it was her win. Um, I mean, Crystal's great as well, and of course, looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I loved that Crystal talking about the work they've had done and things like that. Cause I think that's so, um, it's still bizarrely quite a taboo subject, even though so many people have work now, it's so accessible, you know, from lip fillers and Botox and whatever. Um, but it was nice to hear someone actually talking about it publicly. And, and certainly, I mean, they're all so young. I literally feel about a hundred years old watching the program. Um, but it was nice to hear a young person just talk about it freely and explain why. And I mean, they deserved the win as well. They were super talented. They are super talented. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I would have gone Victoria. Yeah, I felt with the Bonnie Tyler song, Victoria conveyed it really well. I felt that Crystal's amazing and specifically that sort of cat Sphinx look was so stunning. I couldn't... Beautiful. I couldn't quite fathom it. I thought, oh my God, that is just walking art to me. Um, so it was interesting watching Lip Sync, but I just think when it comes to performing, I'm the kind of person that I look at are they sort of, are they emulating that role? Are they conveying it? And I just thought Victoria really got in the role of sort of Boy Tyler. But um, it was a great top two, though, of the week. And I just thought, I'm intrigued to see where this is going to go next each week. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure we need two lip syncs every week, in my opinion. But what? hey, ho, we're going to get it. Oh, are they going to do it every week? I thought that was uh, this week. Oh, I don't know. But who knows? Um <laughs> week that's a bit much but i mean why not <laughs> they gotta make the content they gotta make that program that's totally true the dirty charades challenge at the beginning was quite funny as well i thought victoria sort of is struggling at the beginning was so funny sort of um, i felt like that was me recovering from the weekend like just like i can't move <laughs> <laughs> crawling along the floor totally and um and i thought that veronica green actually i was quite impressed with sort of coming in in sort of the green paint, because as we know, Michelle Visage hates green. Uh, so I thought it was quite camp and quite fun. I thought it was quite interesting that they have brought another musical theatre queen in. Um, yes, and I know, well, not personally, through other friends and being out on the London scene, I know everybody, and um, they are they are talented. You know, they've got a CV as long as my legs, which aren't particularly long, but but <laughs> it's a long CV. Um, so yeah, and and very clever, very clever of the casting people. We know they're clever because um, Veronica, of course, is a is a musical theatre queen as well. So to see 
uh, Ella Day walk in as well, I'm sure was. I mean, good on Veronica for coming back. It's, it, that's a risk as well, isn't it? Because it was, she was doing good on season two and then obviously sadly because of COVID can do it. Um, but it's a risk you take to come back because you could go week one and then you've screwed up again. I mean, thankfully not, but um, I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch the two of them together, especially if they, if they get to the musical. That is the one that I'm looking forward to. If the when the musical theater challenge happens, I'm like, right, is this going to be sort of a Adore Delano Courtney Act version of who's the better singer type situation? I'm very absolutely, absolutely. I'm intrigued to see how it goes. Um, I also felt. Um, River Medway talking about um, obviously was uh, I'm just going to double check but it was her mum wasn't it sadly passed away from COVID uh, yes and um, I felt for her because obviously it's quite hard I think on the drag race format a lot of the time you know you're talking about things that have happened to you and sort of life in the past but I thought wow they've actually covered something that's still quite raw and present which is I think a lot of people will have felt emotional from the fact that you know COVID is being mentioned on the show yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, because you watch these shows and obviously they are camp and fabulous and, and a bit of escapism. But then, and this is what people don't remember, especially some some fans mm. on the internet, that, that these queens are real people, you know, and, and they, they have lives and they have families and they have loved ones and, and go through the same thing as everyone else does. And I hate seeing, actually, I, I, I mean, I was doing the show last night, so I, I didn't, Purpose, I purposely stayed off of Twitter because I didn't want to see looks and things until I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't seen a lot of Twitter yet, but I know from previous seasons that queens get so much hate and I, I just don't understand it. It drives me mad. And it's one of the things, if I ever do the show, that uh, thankfully I've got quite a thick skin, but I know from previous experiences and, and queens that I know who've been on it, some of the stuff they get is just horrific and I don't I, I mean I don't understand it I would never troll anyone if I don't like you I'll tell my friends I don't like you I don't need to write it on Twitter do you know what I mean and if I see you in person I might tell you as well if I've had a few vodkas but but I don't need to write it on Twitter we have this thing in this sort of Edinburgh Scottish drag scene that I think a lot of the time and my attitude is always if you can come up and say it to me in a club then fine yeah but it just feels like a cowardly move and I feel with the Drag Race fandom, it can be like that, that I know that um, Lawrence had put today or yesterday on Twitter, um, you know, let's not give the girls as much hate this time. And I thought, yeah, because the amount of abuse he was getting when obviously he had won that, oh, it should have been Bimini. And and, and I, can, I can appreciate it. It's, you know, it's like a bit like X Factor. People are going to go, oh, I wanted so-and-so twin. But, you know, I felt when people go out their way to actively send you hate, I think that just isn't acceptable and I'm I don't understand it I don't understand why as a person you would fill your day with that shut up shut up you don't need to do it you, you, they must feel horrible these people I couldn't believe it when I saw Lawrence had to come off Twitter and everything at, at one point horrible horrible yeah you might have wanted someone else to win that's fine no that's great that you're supporting them so much but you don't need to bring someone else down because of it 100% and just because we were talking about a River Medway, I did feel that her statue look was quite hilarious. The way she I'm devastated. I'm devastated because if, if I'm ever on that show, I wanted to do my hometown look and I was going to be the Duke of Wellington with the cone on my head outside the Gallery of Modern Art. I'm devastated. I can't do it now because River Medway's done it. Not that statue, obviously, but a different statue with a cone on the head. 
it's funny you say that because Theresa May obviously did that sort of Geordie look instead of Geordie at heart. And I was a bit annoyed because my drag name comes from a Newcastle strip. And I was like, that's my tagline stolen, a Geordie at heart. Gone. 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 Gone, but not forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just thought Theresa May is such a breath of fresh air when she came on. And I think I wrote down on my notes on my phone here, like one of the first thing I put was my boyfriend's dick because she just openly said. (laughs) (laughs) That's why she moved to the country. (laughs) You absolute hero icon of this season. Just like my boyfriend's dick. (laughs) I now want to meet her boyfriend. I'm not bothered about meeting her. I want to meet her boyfriend. I know. It could be like for one of us, like maybe, oh, well, you've got a partner, but it could be like for me, a Derek Berry situation, you know, like a thruple, maybe. Um, Get it. Get that thruple. Get girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> from the week, honestly, like, you know, there were so many people that I thought were incredible. And I did feel that I'm I'm secretly loving Kitty. Like, I feel like she's one of my favourites. I mean, I, I think all the girls are, are incredible, but I did feel with Kitty. I thought I'm intrigued because I think she's going to be fiery. She's going to be... Yeah. And super camp, I, I know Kitty from London, and she's super talented, comes from a theatre background as well, um, and and will be great for the show. will be lots of fun, super camp. I really hope they make it to Snatch Game, because I think they'll do a great Snatch Game. I know, Snatch Game is the episode that every season I look most forward to. Yeah. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see how that goes. And before I kind of um, round off from the Drag Race chat, obviously, um, it was... Elle of the Day had done the Pride flag, which I thought was incredible, but she'd done the updated Pride flag, didn't she? Yes, and it was beautifully done. Mm-hmm. I see every Pride season queens in gowns, and absolutely right, we all want to represent, but represent in a beautiful way. <laughs> if you're going to put it on a dress, don't just have all the stripes down you in horizontal lines. It's not going to be flattering for anyone. Mm-hmm. But um, Elle of the Day made that look beautiful. It was really elegant and and there and and it's lovely to see all the colors represented that's a costume that i would have out at every event uh it was and it, it looked beautiful on her and yeah it's really important to make sure we're always representing everybody and i think that costume certainly did that i definitely agree like i felt like uh, there's been a big conversation i've had like on facebook all the time about when i share pride flags around prices and people go i don't know why we need these many flags and i'm like because we all need to be represented because within the marginalized group there's been marginalized parts like it absolutely absolutely it's so important and i felt obviously because it was a new best had went out wasn't it and yes for her, but i could kind of i could i could get where they were coming from but i did feel like when she mentioned that the look was for um it was Anubis that mentioned the look was for her um father. With the fishing. Yeah. I, I mean I, I didn't really I, you know, absolutely and that and it obviously meant something to her. Mm-hmm. But it, it there's there's that and then there's remembering your own drag race. <laughs> and and I kinda of think that's what Graham was saying and, and Michelle was saying. And even the there's obviously a curse of Brighton looks. If, if you're from Brighton, yeah. just say you're from somewhere else and get a costume on. <laughs> obviously, poor Joe Black suffered from that as well. Um, and her, the Helter Skelter thing, I just, I don't know. It, it wasn't my favourite, so I kind of understood why they ended up in the bottom two. Mm-hmm. It, 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 was, it wasn't Helter Skelter enough for me, and it was a bit ill-fitting, and it was a bit... Um, but camp, I kind of, I wish we could see. I kind of wish no one goes episode one, mm-hmm. especially in the UK version. I don't think we see enough of everybody. Um, 
but someone has to go and I think it was the right person, sadly. I totally agree with you. Um, in regards to, we're only one episode out of season three, but I would love to know, you know, have you got any sort of people that you think are going to do well or could be top three, you know, have you got anyone that your money's on? Oh my goodness. Um, the money I have left after the pandemic, which isn't a lot. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to see uh, what Kitty does. I think she's super camp. Uh, Charity Rose, uh, not Charity Rose, Charity Case, who was dressed as a rose, sorry. Mm. Um, I think is super exciting. Who else? Vanity, I like. I think their looks were great and they've got a story to tell. Um, I think it's too early for me to pick a top three yet. <laughs> Um, yeah, far too early, sorry. I totally agree with you. I'm feeling the exact same. I'm, I'm going to give it three more weeks, then I'll probably have my sort of top three, maybe. Oh, For it, sure. It's been honestly such a delight to interview you, um, Mary. Where can the fans follow you and keep up to date with your work? Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Mary Mac Official. No one else wants to be me. I just like writing the words official. <laughs> Amazing. And what's next on your agenda um, before we round off? Um, on tour with Everybody's Talking About Jamie, which is all over the country for the next, um, up until May next year. But I vanish from it. I'm not doing uh, a couple of venues. I'm not doing Hull or Brighton because I'm doing Panto in Royal Leamington Spa, which I love. This is my ninth season there. And, and then after that who knows i'll be i'll be around somewhere hopefully in scotland more i want to come back to scotland amazing i look forward to it mary thank you so much for getting juicy with jordy thank you jordy it's been a delight thanks again to the super creative and iron brew legend that is mary mack and a big thanks to all you my darlings for listening to episode one of jordy's juice the podcast where we review drag race uk season three there's loads more juice where that came from You'll soon be able to find future episodes on Acast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Matt Ramsey for editing this episode, and as ever, to my lovely producer, Rowan Green. This podcast was a Solus Sounds production. See you soon! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.